Yeah. All right. See. Another episode of the podcast. This time with uh, we're going outside of Freemasonry, as I've done on a few occasions, but I am always excited about the chance to do so because it, you know, I'm a firm believer that in any endeavor in life, there are a lot of opportunities and, and things that you can learn from other fields and then apply them to your field. And I think having myself uh, gone through professional wrestling school at Can-Am, I got the shirt, uh, and training and being trained by uh, and learning a lot from, from this guest. Um, you know, he has a lot of advice uh, and stuff he can talk about both for any aspiring professional wrestlers out there and also uh, I think, and as we'll discuss, I think a lot of Freemasons as well. So, uh, from Windsor, Ontario, <laughs> Can-Am Wrestling School, Dan Pisano. Welcome. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And you got the, uh, you got the shirt, so to make sure to mention the, uh, the, the, the given name, El Reverso. Yes. As uh, many people are aware, I wrestle... As El Reverso, I was trained at the Can-Am Wrestling School, and uh, wrestling has been uh, tremendous to me and teaching me many assets. I'm glad that uh, you brought up the many skills that are required to produce a wrestling uh, promotion just in general, because uh, that is definitely uh, my experience in the wrestling industry is many, many uh, skills are required. People wear many hats just to get uh, things off the floor and running. Without being able to know when the lockdowns will end, when the next wave will come and go, and kind of kind of, you know, forces outside of our control, limiting our ability to, to put on shows, to wrestle in front of crowds, all that type of stuff. How have you kept yourself uh, motivated, staying in shape, you know, studying the wrestling business? Just how do you keep yourself motivated in, in such uncertainty? Well, that's actually a really good uh, question, Cam, because uh, even the most motivated can lose motivation. And there can be uh, certain aspects where you have to pull yourself out of a situation in which you never thought you could enter into and like uh i imagine with freemasonry you guys do gather quite often so with us like a, a contact sport uh and even a small gathering a one-on-one -on -one, you know what i mean ability to like practice your skills is was outlawed you know basically so uh luckily for me i was able to uh utilize the, the wrestling school i was able to go in by myself and like run ropes and like kind of keep exercise going that way but there was a point where the YMCA, the gym closed. And that was a big, uh, stable rock for me in my wrestling career. It was somewhere where I was able to go where I could, uh, grow myself as an individual, not just as like, a, a to get stronger, but like they had a support system there where they actually believed in creating people, uh, that were better at what they did and, and helping them achieve their dreams. You know what I mean? There was a, there's a, a lot of support there. So uh, unfortunately when that closed, it was a, a huge hit to me. It was something where, uh, I didn't have the equipment or anything like that to work out on my own. And for a while, like uh, I was pretty depressed about it, especially because there was a lot of friends of mine there that like, I wasn't going to see now anymore. Right. So uh, thankfully uh, through my support system, uh, my parents and my girlfriend, they helped get me some workout stuff. And I was able to uh, start going again at it and get it in a routine at home. And uh, 
that's one of those things where I just had to make the time for myself. And thankfully, because of the other people that I had around me in a support system that cared, they were able there to help pull me out of a situation that where even though it wasn't ideal and a lot of people in my situation didn't have the same opportunities, didn't have access to a wrestling ring, didn't have uh, support where they could get the, the weights or anything like that, didn't have the freedom where they could plan time to actually work out and exercise, maybe go out for a jog or anything like that. You know what I mean? Sometimes uh, it takes support to help pull people out of a certain situation. Without that, some people do, you know what I mean? Find themselves looking into a whole different situations, having to reinvent themselves, having to re renew. Like I can't tell you how many people already that I've talked to in the wrestling industry that are, you know, saying that they don't imagine wrestling being in their life anymore. And they've had to reinvent and renew and try and find other ways to uh, continue on their road. Is, is the, the struggle, um, how much of the struggle uh, do you think comes from the, the uncertainty kind of aspect of it all, right? Like it's one thing if you know, you know, on this day, uh, uh, wrestling in front of people comes back again, right? Or this day the gym opens again versus, um, you know, being, constantly being, you um, like you're never sure uh, what restrictions will lift when that type of thing, right? And again, it's not it's not anybody's fault. It's just that challenge of staying motivated when you don't have a particular end date by which you can say at this point, you know, back in the ring type of thing. Mm -hmm. I can definitely like that is a huge challenge, and I find a lot of times with that situation, those emotions can be overwhelming. You know what I mean? It tends to be like a a big situation where you're looking at it and it tends to be like a 12 foot wall that you're asked to climb and you just think it's, it's impossible. So instead of climbing that 12 foot wall, uh, I found like easier for myself is just to set little goals, just to set little steps. So that way you're building yourself access over that 12 foot wall, right? Eventually over time you do get there. It takes you a longer distance, but you know, it starts where you just plan, okay, Today, I'm going to make sure maybe I'm just doing 20 push-ups and whatever else just to get back into the, the groove of like working out every day. So I'm just going to set this mental routine. And that's the, the first step, right? And just getting yourself into that mindset. And then you grow from there. And then you just make sure that you're hitting safe and accessible goals, something within reach, something that you're not overshooting. And then you continue to maintain and hit those goals. And then after a, a sustained period of hitting those goals, you realize that you're further than you've uh, possibly come and it's more encouraging to look back and see oh i've accomplished this already i want to keep doing going doing more and in terms of encouragement um or frustration depending on your your point of view uh you know when you see um you know in in the states especially but i even remember i think japan in january of this year i think at wrestle kingdom uh you know you're seeing other other jurisdictions other countries putting on, you know, live wrestling events, live sporting events, and, and doing so with fans in the crowd. Um, you're seeing the same thing with Freemasonry, you know. Uh, you know, uh, most states uh, sell to the border. To my knowledge, I've resumed in-person Masonic meetings, whereas in Canada, we haven't yet. Um, I guess, but when you when you see that happening for wrestling, does that give you a, a sense of of you know encouragement that you know if it's happening there now, it'll happen here once we get the vaccines, or does it create frustration in the sense that I just want to do that, and you know why does Florida or whatever it is 
uh, get, you know, fans and, and get to have, have shows again. I would honestly say, I think like early on, there was a frustration just in general because there was so much promise just with everything that was rolling, you know, but after so much time and so much reflection on uh, just basically, like you said before, the lack of control, you know what I mean? Like there's an acceptance and just uh, like, you can't get mad at the wind kind of thing. You have to, like I was saying with the small steps, you know what I mean? Just kind of focus on what you can control. That's been like a, a key aspect for like keeping a positive men, uh, mindset for me is just focus on what you can control. Uh, I do have friends and other like uh, uh, Kaito uh, Kiyomiya. Actually, I've talked to him like pretty recently and, uh, you know, kind of asked about how things over there are in Japan just to see like, you know, if they're still training and everything and just let them know that, you know, everybody's okay here. And like, you know, it's nice to be able to talk to other people that are actually over in those other situations to see how they're going to see if they're struggling or not struggling. And, you know, it's kind of amazing to see that, like, you know, even though certain aspects, they are doing certain other things in the same other ways or they're not as well. And it's, it seems like everybody is kind of struggling similarly with uh, what's going on. And even though they may have certain things here, as you saw what happens in India, like India for a long time, they were having wrestling shows and things were very, very good. And then just very recently they went through a big uh, downturn in uh, like, you know, just public activity. They had to shut everything down for a little while themselves and our good friend, Bupinder, you know what I mean? Uh, I talked to him as well, pretty uh, obviously, and just find out what's going on there. You know, uh, again, it's good to, to have friends that know people in other places and know what's going on and to find out that, yeah, even though maybe it wasn't right now, there was a time frame when people were struggling and they're trying to deal with it. And everybody has to, you know, basically deal with the rulings from overhead as, as soon as, you know, we maintain that plan and hit certain goals from our, our government's plan, like Doug Florida's plan for the certain vaccine uh, rates and like, you know, the 21 days and everything like that. We just, we have to do what we have to do. And like I said about getting mad at the wind, I can't control anything about that. I just have to focus on myself and make sure I'm hitting my own goals. And then when we finally get the okay, we're, we're hitting the ground running. Just like I imagine, just like with Freemasonry, when you guys get your ability to hold meetings and such like that, I'm sure you guys have already talked about how you're going to go about doing it, you know? You know, having spent over, over a year not seeing each other in person, we are doing virtual meetings, virtual events, things of that nature. It does make it, you know, it's, 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 there's such a, you know, people talk about wrestling as in, you know, a three, three person dance, you know, the wrestlers and the referee. There's a, a dance element to a Masonic meeting too, especially the opening and closing, because it's all call and response. It's a, uh, it's a ceremony where, there's there's set uh, orders and set responses, and you can get into a, a a rhythm with your officers. And when you don't have that for a year, it you know you you lose that rhythm with with those around you. So it's it's one of those things where it's so important to keep practicing as much as you can. And like you said, focusing on the um, focusing on what you can control. One of those things, right, is in the case of Freemasons, it's uh, opening up your book and studying your ritual in the case of a wrestler it's you know you've always got a floor so there's always a chance for push-ups for sit-ups stuff like that oh yeah and there's always tapes to be studied and there's always other skills to be mastered like i myself i was working on video editing over the pandemic and stuff that i can try and do to improve myself and become a better just overall product and market myself better you know and i imagine that like uh, when you guys were talking about practicing your rituals and everything, that there are certain other people within 
uh, Freemasonry that had certain ideas about, oh, this is how we do things. And I would imagine that that's a, a great uh, outlet for you as well, as you know, so many people within uh, Freemasonry that you guys were able to, hey, I'll take this idea and maybe we can practice doing this, or maybe, you know, we can still try doing something here like that. Like, that's one of the things that I know that uh, with the pandemic and wrestling in general, uh, it helped uh, communication between major companies that wouldn't normally talk, they started to talk about, okay, how can we continue doing things a little bit normally? Like Impact started to talk to WWE about like, what kind of uh, stuff are you guys using to clean the ring after to make sure that we're keeping everybody safe? Like, uh, you know, and then there was the protocols, what kind of protocols are you guys doing to limit exposure and everything like that? So something that was unprecedented in the past where because of the pandemic, now there's more communication between uh, assets and, and, you know, they're trying to figure out how they can maintain a certain level of normalcy. If there is a silver lining to the, you know, uh, shitstorm that is COVID, <laughs> is it forced, um, whether it be a professional wrestling company or any organization, Freemasonry, you know, it's forced those industries and the people within those industries uh, and organizations to, you know, reevaluate things, to try new things. I mean, would you, for example, have been working on video editing were it not for the last, yeah, a year and a bit probably not that's the thing i probably would have kept focusing on more in-ring skills and that's something that i've seen other wrestlers uh get options and they've gotten opportunities because of other skills that weren't in the ring right so it was something that not until i was able to reflect on it that i was able to see that oh okay maybe this will help me in my overall uh skill set and yeah i, I really like what you said about you know, it's about setting, um, you know, don't try to climb the 12 foot wall, just set, set a goal that is, you know, reachable and attainable. And then you set the next goal, whether that's a hundred pushups or, you know, two hours of tape or whatever it might be. Uh, and same thing with, with, you know, to, to all the brethren out there. Yes. It's frustrating in Ontario, especially you don't know when you can go to, to lodge, but you can always, you can always grab your book and read a few pages a day and call a brother if you get stuck on a part or if you don't remember what a particular word means, right? There's mm -hmm. always a phone. There's always a chance to, uh, to connect with and learn from a brother. And even if ever there was a chance, time to be calling up brethren who are in old age homes or anything like that, right? Now is, is kind of the time for that. Oh, I would definitely 100% agree. I mean, especially, uh, it, again, in the wrestling industry with some of the veterans now, there's not really much going on. So I can imagine there's uh, hundreds of veterans out there that are willing to talk a young professional's ear off. You know, if, if you were ever to reach out now to ask for advice or to, to you know what I mean, uh, show someone some tape and say, hey, can you watch this old match? You know, give me, let me know what you think. Like, this would be the time to to get that, that sort of, you know, uh, academic uh you know, exposure. So that's definitely like, and that's one, again, uh, where wrestling mimics Freemasonry is the connections are so vital, so vital in the professional wrestling industry. I cannot under, uh, overstate that enough. It's just that the more people and the more places and the more schools, the more opportunities you have, you know what I mean? The more you expose yourself to, the more educated you become, you know, and that's honestly uh, paramount is educating yourself. So at what point, um, you kind of touched on this a little bit, with Freemasonry, but I think there's lessons there in, in the wrestling business that certainly yourself, um, you know, 
could speak to. Um, yeah, at what point in a, a, speaking especially from a student perspective, at what point does a student or a wrestler go from um, learning how to do the move set and the work properly to incorporating their own unique personality and um, I don't like the word character gimmick, whatever it is into, you know, into the, the move set because in Freemasonry, right? Uh, at first, when you're first starting out, really the emphasis is really on just, these are the words you say and you say them in this order. And the result is you can always tell a new, a new Mason because the way that they deliver their work is tends to be very monotone mm-hmm. and very just, you know, I say this word and I say this word, but as a Mason goes in his career, and certainly this was in my case, it, different lectures, different pieces of work mean different things to him. And you'll see, oh, he'll, he will, um, even though the words don't change, he will emphasize certain words differently, or he will incorporate different gestures or movements when he's speaking that other Masons don't. Uh, and it seems to me that's the same thing with, with professional wrestling, where the initial goal is just to be able to do things correctly. But you do see as personalities develop, as gimmicks develop, um, it start, you start to incorporate more and more of yourself and your, your gimmick into the, the moveset. So I guess just from a, you know, myself, I'm still very new. You know, how does the, at what point do you see a switch from learning how to do the moves correctly to being able to add some of your own uh, personality into those moves? That's actually a very good question, Cam. And uh, the very short answer is when you're able to perform the move to the point where it's muscle memory and you have to stop thinking about the steps of the move, then you can start to emphasize how do I want to perform this move a little more. What Scott used to tell us all the time, and I'm sure as uh, your top of rituals and stuff too, is you want to stick to the format of the move. You want to make sure that you're hitting all the safety points because what your goal in there is to do in the ring is you want to take care of your opponent. If you're not doing the certain safety steps and the certain guidelines properly, then you might actually not be taking care of your opponent in that aspect. You know what I mean? Like there's certain moves where you're making sure that you're cradling some uh, part of the person's head or, you know, you're putting somebody down safely. Like even in amateur freestyle wrestling, if you pick up somebody and you drop them down in a violent nature without taking control of the body, you don't get the points for throwing them down unsafely. You do have to take care of your opponent, but you're making sure that you're exposing their shoulders to the mat and that you're uh, just showing access of skill as opposed to what they have. Right. So what I would say in the ring, and uh, I'm going to compare this actually to an actor because I love this acting situation. I'm a huge Star Trek fan as well is uh, when you have to stop thinking about it, that's when you become uh, a professional. So when you start just performing things in there and it comes second nature and you're starting, your mind starts to wander about like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do after, you know, you're not thinking about what you're doing in that moment. Uh, that's when I'd say that you've excelled in that situation because people will tell you, you don't want to go outside of the book if, unless you have the confidence in what you're actually doing. And the example that I'm going to give the Star Trek example here is uh, Christopher Plummer uh, acted as Henry VIII famously right before William Shatner. And before William Shatner's appearance, Christopher Plummer went to the showing and he told a friend of his, oh, you know, as Henry VIII, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do this. Basically everything William Shatner did. And after the show was done, 
the friend turned to Christopher Plummer and said, like, what did you think of that? And he goes, actually, to tell you the truth, I know I said all that stuff, but William Shatner is just so good at what he does. He pulled everything off. Even though I said, don't do it that way, his acting skill and his charisma and his confidence in himself meant that he was able to take certain leaps and you might not land it. You might actually fall on your face, even though you're taking that risk. Like you might actually, you know, the first person to try the double front flip into the senton in the ring might've actually landed on his neck and hurt himself. You never actually know, you know what I mean? But it takes that leap of faith and that courage in yourself and that, that confidence in yourself that when you've worked your way up to that and you know, you can repeat it without having to think about it. That's when you're able to expand on that notion. It's funny that go completely off topic, the, the weird connection between Shakespeare and Star Trek, you know, like Patrick Stewart is the most famous of that, right? Like he was a, a bit, William Shatner, I think most Star Trek actors have probably been in at least a few Shakespeare productions over the years. I would, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say that's, <clears throat> they look for those actors because they understand that it's, you know, uh, the show in general analyzes the human, you know, situation, not just a, a certain aspect of a, of a drama, mostly in general, especially the early ones, like the next generation, the original series, they try and analyze the human situation just in general, you know, so they want experienced emotive actors. <laughs> Well, I've been been lucky enough, um, you know, through Can Am to to always have some some terrific coaches, and and every coach, you know, I take different uh, things from. I feel I'm going to start naming coaches, and if I forget one, I'm very sorry. Please don't beat the shit out of me because I know you all could. Uh, yeah, Divine Bolin, John Capitler, E. Pierre Bravo, Amazing Nate. Um, uh, just so many, and you know, uh, uh, you know, Prince, obviously, just so mm -hmm. many great uh, uh, veterans as well who come through. But the lesson that the the main lesson I would say that I've taken so far from, especially uh, Johnny Divine and Bravo, uh, was uh, breathing, and it seems like a weird thing. It's Everybody assumes, and I assumed before I started wrestling school, that is, you just breathe, like it's the thing that you do. But I never realized until I started and I had both Divine or Bravo yelling at me to breathe, how easy it is to stop breathing when you become stressed or nervous. And sometimes that's related to physical exertion, but it doesn't always have to be. It can just be mm -hmm. walking to the ring or whatever it is. And, and the nerves can affect your ability to breathe uh, uh, you know, to breathe on purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's something I took with me to Masonic Lodges. I realized that when guys had a, an important piece of ritual to do, or even if it was their first time in a particularly important spot in the lodge, uh, you know, the term we use in wrestling is getting blown up. Uh, and I never realized till wrestling school, I would look, you know, this guy over here is getting blown up. He's forgotten to breathe because he's so nervous about doing things right. Um, and I've heard guys suggest yoga, uh, different ways to, I find having somebody yell at you to breathe is a very good way to remember to breathe. But <laughs> just in, you know, as, as a veteran, as somebody who's helped me and many people at Canam, just the importance of breath and, and paying attention to that, both in, inside the ring and just in life, in any stressful situation, how easy it is to you know, lose your breath and, and kind of tricks that you have as a, 
wrestler as a performer to to maintain your breathing oh, well uh, i will agree with you that breathing definitely is very very important um the more air you intake the more oxygen gets to your muscles the more oxygen gets to your brain so if you stop breathing you won't have as much strength in the ring uh if your uh, ritual requires any sort of uh you know, hand-eye coordination, you're obviously going to lose as much function that way. And if you have to remember a certain amount for your ritual, then the same thing with the match. If you have to remember a certain amount of the move sets or anything else like that, then lack of oxygen means a lack of uh, capability of remembering that instance. So to train yourself in order to be able to handle that situation, uh, there's obviously, it's not just one certain way. There's a, a lot of wrestlers will tell you that there's wrestling cardio and then there's other cardio uh, to, to, be a professional wrestler there is no other kind of cardio like that i'm sure that you're aware that when you hit the ropes you have to exhale when you take a bump you have to exhale when your back hits that mat if you don't exhale just right the wind gets knocked out of you and it hurts but when you do it just right it feels uh smooth i would equate it to like uh, hitting a home run in baseball where you almost don't feel it it's just comes so smooth off the bat the ball that when your back hits the mat uh and you exhale just the right way and you position yourself just the right way it's a nice clean safe feeling and you know and it helps you uh maintain that ability to keep going and move forward now uh certain things that i do personally to help work on that is to put myself in situations where i am uh hitting the ropes and having to take bumps and such like that where uh i'm putting myself in situations where like right now we don't have the ability to wrestle one-on-one -on -one, so uh we'll do some drills like i'll uh, do some up and over drills or i'll do some drop down drills and such like that and i'm making sure that i'm monitoring my breathing as i'm doing that i'm actively thinking about it to make sure that i'm getting myself to that point that when i get back into the ring i'm not actively thinking about my breathing i want that to be a muscle memory aspect that i'm focused on that when i do this motion my I, I exhale or when i take this fall i exhale you know and then honestly uh something that's not as common uh is singing believe it or not for wrestling uh you have to take breaths in between certain courses and everything else like that so on the road like if i'm in the car by myself i'll sing here and there and it helps me think about like where i have to breathe in a certain aspect you know what i mean it helps practice like deep breath in a certain point you know what i mean because that can be very important as well is to make sure that you're taking a deep breath and going into a certain aspect you know what i mean and then exhaling as you're exerting yourself you know there's a lot of things to keep in mind as you're doing certain actions like that and there's a lot of different ways that you can practice those you know what i mean and i'd have to say that uh those are the certain physical aspects of practicing your breathing now you also alluded to the mental aspect when you're talking about the nerves and everything else like that now i imagine uh there's not much that you can do to practice a ritual beforehand other than just going through the motions and trying to do it with some friends you know what i mean maybe you know you're going to do uh this thing later on so what you can try and do is try and recreate that in a practice session and that's what i can am wrestling school we try and do as well for the wrestlers so that they don't freeze up there because it's very easy to get up there and then all of a sudden you're going to wrestle i know i've almost had it happen to myself where you're going to wrestle someone you look up to very very much someone that you thought oh my god and i'm a kid you know i'm never going to get that but then you do you get in the ring with that person or you think like you know maybe i'm never going to get a chance to do that but you actually do achieve that you know so all of a sudden that moment in that moment you're soaking it in and you almost forget where you're at because you're just absorbing everything else like that right so in that moment and in that aspect the best thing to do is just try and bring yourself back down to earth and remember that you've been there before you know what i mean try and remember to yourself that uh, if you have the ability, you know what I mean? If it isn't your first time to just try and go through, okay, this is where I've been. This is why I know I, uh, cause I'm sure you've heard of imposter syndrome. This is something that's not, you know, uh, 
just unique to wrestling is uh, every once in a while you can think, oh my God, like, what am I doing here? And that would be something where that would blow you up in the ring. If you're getting that imposter syndrome, all of a sudden you're starting to hyperventilate. You're thinking, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like these people are going to hate my match. And I mean, you got to escape that mindset because that's one of those things that's going to end up causing you to lose your breath very quickly before the, before the bell even rings. You know what I mean? So just maintaining that certain composure, that level of confidence and making sure that you're practiced in a certain event. And like, that's one thing I'm going to say right now about Canon wrestling school, that when we do get back into wrestling, we are working on a, a mid-level step where we're going to help uh, people that maybe aren't exposed to uh, wrestling on TV. Uh, a new aspect that we're going to have is we're going to expose them to, to wrestling on like YouTube and it, it get them familiar with wrestling in front of a camera and have uh, a mid-tier to not just being right on TV, to something where they can take steps, and take chances, and then also take ownership of a character and expose themselves a little bit more to uh, a wider audience. So, and then hopefully negate those uh tendencies to bring on the nerves during the match <laughs> it's yeah it's nerves are one of those things right an imposter syndrome it it uh it's easy for it to sneak up on you uh, you know you can think everything's fine until you are through the curtain or in the ring whatever it is um and that just goes back to what you were saying about um uh you know the the importance of you know using the opportunities that you have before those big moments to to practice, to watch tapes, to do whatever it is so that you can have as much confidence as possible when you're mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, and then lean on and then lean on those skills. Yeah, it's it's funny how easy it is to to forget that you have those skills in, in the moment, you know, like uh, uh, we, you know, I, I've done it every can do it a million times correctly in training uh and then you go out there and you suddenly feel like you've forgotten everything and you just part of that is is who you're with and relying on them to help you out and part of it is like you said just leaning back on those skills reminding yourself that no you know how to do this right nothing has actually changed just because now there's 100 200 whatever you know 5,000, whatever the number is nothing has actually changed in the ring it's still you know you and the other person yes exactly still four corners unless you're in the old x division (laughs) in the old tna with the six-sided ring it's still four corners one referee two guys you know same thing in the ritual the rituals are done the same way you know what i mean uh i'm sure that people have to work their way up and practice and everything like that and get to a certain point where they're able to perform those so they have a back a background that they can rely on to say that i am I belong here. I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah, and maybe it's maybe that's the key, right? Is 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 uh, keeping things, uh, you know, small, right? Even in, especially at the start, right? Don't think about, you know, you're nervous or whatever it is. Don't think about the crowd. Don't think about what. Just think about the thing that you've done a thousand times already, and let that muscle memory kind of take over. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Oh yeah. And like, I don't know how true it is with the Freemasonry industry, but the wrestling industry, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a wheel that just continues to turn. It just continues to turn. And if you have the wrong mindset, when you get onto this wheel, it can spit you out, throw you off and never look back and completely forget about you altogether. But if you hop on this wheel and you're aware that I can use this wheel to gain skills, to better myself, and how can I uh, achieve my goals as opposed to like achieving, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people that have uh, delusions of grandeur. They get on, so I'm going to be, you know what I mean? And then they end up falling, you know what I mean? So as long as people can keep 
uh, a realistic, you know what I mean? A, a small and like almost selfish expectation of what they can do coming into it. They can achieve very, very much a lot. You know what I mean? So it's just about also maintaining yourself as well as knowing what you're getting into. Yeah. And, and even that, so uh, I saw, you know, that, that goes to a quote uh, from uh, Mick Foley. I, he came to Windsor. Um, I know he's, he's come to Windsor for, for wrestling related things, you know, Border City Wrestling. And, but he came to Windsor for um, a comedy show when he was doing stand-up at uh, Comedy Port. Uh, I remember, so I went to, to see him. I remember he mentioned, you know, uh, he said, don't let anybody don't let anybody define success for you. And what he meant by that, right, is that he had said, you know, I main evented WrestleMania uh, and I consider that to be success, but I'm also here in front of 50 people, maybe comedy before I could fit. Um, and I consider this a success too, right? It's, it's about, you know, uh, uh, recognizing recognizing that, you know, a, a successful moment where, you know, even if you're resting in front of uh, 50 people and, you know, you make five people happy and you know, have a better life because they saw your match and they're having a shitty day and now they're having a good day, right? That is, that is success and that, you know, shouldn't be taken uh, for granted. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I always tell uh, a lot of the students that when you're focused in there on uh, trying to tell a story and basically uh, not trying to relate yourself to other wrestlers, like you're never trying to um, compare yourself to another wrestler. What you're trying to relate yourself is to yourself. So, you know, when you're in the ring and you're telling that story, if you've done better this time telling that story than you did the last time, then that's a relative, that's a success. You know what I mean? You've grown, you become better at your craft. You know, it's a, it's a growth. So success, I always believe, and I always try and tell people it's relative to, you know what I mean? Your own instinctive need. It's what you've done in the past and your own success is relative to what you've done to what you want to do, you know? So success, I like you're at, very well like to McFoley's situation he's not going to main event wrestlemania for 40 years straight but when he gets to you know tell his story and he feels that he gets to expand on his career that's a success for him relative to his situation yes he had that amazing experience and now he gets to you know relive it with others so yeah i i i used to run uh when i worked at at the local jail i ran a lot of programs and I, when I was a probation officer and I used to tell this story because I'm fond of it I don't know if it's true or not but I like to believe it's true because I think it's a good moral it's about um uh right a lot of uh of times you know you're trying to, to convince the, the clients or the people of, you know of the value of doing something well or good or kind even if you don't just see the, the the benefits or you don't feel like you've seen the benefits right the example i always gave or the story that i had heard uh is that there was a, a woman who was going to go kill herself she was going to jump off of a bridge but to get to the bridge she you know had to walk by uh this bar and it just so happened that it was uh open mic night or there was like a guitar anyways there was somebody up there facing away from the window was playing her favorite song um, 
So she stopped, she listened to the song and then she decided not to kill herself. Right? And I'm sure to the guy singing the song who never saw her, it was just like, oh, this, here I am, Tuesday night. It's like there's three people in here. They're all drunk and playing for 25 bucks or whatever it is, right? But, you know, he, he by being there at that time and by playing a song and presumably playing it well, right, he saved that, that girl's life. All right, so uh, James Doohan, one of my favorite stories uh, relating again back to Star Trek is when uh, he had a fan who had wrote to him and said that uh, they were thinking of killing themselves as well. And that uh, he beside himself said, you know, I can't live with that. Uh, please, you know, wrote back to this person, please come to this next convention. Uh, I promise I'll meet you there. I'll talk to you. You know what I mean? I'll sign something. I don't want to see you do this to yourself kind of thing. Right. And over the course of a, a few years, he kept writing with this person and saying, Oh, meet me at this convention. We're coming back to your town and everything. And uh, after a certain amount of time, they, they came to, uh, talk to James and tell him that, you know, thank you for doing this over the last few years. It's, it's meant a lot to me. It's, it's actually uh, saved my life. You know, I didn't think I had the courage to go on, but just coming to meet you at these conventions gave me strength to keep going in life. And now I'm at a point where I'm a lot, I feel a lot stronger and I'm able to, to move on. So, uh, you know, those connections that people make, again, it's just uh, showing how it's paramount. And that's something like even myself, one of my favorite stories that Jeffrey Scott told me about when I, cause you, I spent eight years away from the business. I had my own personal demons I had to deal with and everything. And I, I was gone for a long time. And when I came back to Windsor and I started uh, wrestling as El Reverso again. I remember I wrestled in a battle royal, and when I came to the back, <laughs> Jeff uh, Jeffrey uh, Scott was he came back and he was laughing and he goes, "Hey, you believe this guy?" He, some a fan just came up to me and says, uh, "Who did we? Who uh, do we have under the El Reverso mask?" And uh, Jeff says to the guy, "It's the same guy. It's what do you think? Is just that popular of a gimmick? We just had to bring it back for the show or something like that, right?" And uh, I just thought that was funny, but I, I couldn't believe that someone actually uh, remembered me from eight years. You know what I mean? It was a, a really long time. And I remember introducing myself to wrestlers again to certain people that you know what I mean I recognized, but wasn't sure that they recognized me, and uh, they did. And I'd have to say that like it was a very humbling experience to to feel that I did like make a difference or I did put an impression on certain people and they did remember me. It was very like, uh, very moving for sure. Uh, who, uh, uh, either now or, you know, I think when you're a child, when these things more make the impression, uh, uh, you know, which professional wrestlers uh, either have made or, you know, are currently making uh, an impression uh, on you either they encourage you to get into the business or, or, you know, are motivating you to, to keep with it, even during these uncertain times? Well, I can say that uh, there's four specifically that motivated me when I was younger, and that's Owen Hart, Rey Mysterio, uh, Ultimo Dragon, and Chris Jericho. Those four for me are the Mount Rushmore of, of wrestling. Uh, they made wrestling for the, the little guy, for the mask guy, you know what I mean? Something that was more... Uh, palatable to the public and it was something that I really enjoyed and they were just pioneers and I wanted to be just like them and then I would say coming back into the industry uh, Josh Alexander was someone that I definitely uh, looked up to uh, first stepping in he was someone that before he got signed by Impact was the Ontario uh, independent wrestling guy he was the you know it was a matter of when he's going to get signed not if so uh, I held myself to that standard where I looked up to Josh and said, I want to be just like that. I want to be that, you know, uh, 
Ontario dependent wrestler. And uh, it was something that it's, I would say it's definitely a, a good motivation to, to hold yourself up to like someone up here that you're, that you look up to because it motivates you, you know, and, and at border city, we have so many around us, you know what I mean? So many people with so many great stories, Joe Doring, uh, you mentioned Aiden Prince earlier, you know what I mean? Like uh, such a rich history from within those walls that it, it motivates you to constantly to be better when you're a part of that. And I would say, you mentioned Nate Matson actually earlier. He's one of the reasons why I even came back after eight years. I mean, uh, he put up a post on Facebook saying, if you're a member of a wrestling school and you don't go and you live in that area, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? It wasn't exactly like that, but I remember reading it and just thinking like, as I was already working out and I was like, Oh, you know, should I go back? Should I not go back? And that post right there, it motiv- it just put me right over the edge. Like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, I can't waste any more time. You know what I mean? Like got to, be true to myself and get in there kind of thing yeah all all great examples both past and present yeah josh alexander is killing it right now over at impact like or down in impact nashville he's absolutely crushing <laughs> it it's, uh, oh yeah <laughs> x division champ um he's had some amazing amazing uh matches not that anybody at impact wrestling at all thinks to themselves what would Cameron book but I want to see I want to see Alexander uh, uh, Omega what a, what a match that would be I think that would be fantastic oh yeah I can think of a few where I would like to see Alexander versus and I'm sure it would be tremendous <laughs> yeah, one of those guys right and you see it at impact he uh, absolutely uh, you know yeah. he, he elevate and I'm not not to say, you know, certainly Impact Wrestling has a terrific uh, uh, roster of talent, but, you know, Alexander's one of those those cats. When you see him in the ring, he just elevates whoever he's working with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if anyone's a baseball fan out there, but if I can, like, relate him to a baseball player, I would say Joe DiMaggio, because I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Josh, but, like, I know this to be true. The guy's always bruised. The guy's always got some sort of minor injury or this or that, or, you know what I mean? The guy just... He works so hard. He literally plays himself to the bone, just like Joe DiMaggio with the stories of he'd be black and blue, taking off his uniform. That's Josh in the dressing room, just black and blue, giving it his all out there in the ring, letting it all out there. You know, to, to watch a Josh Alexander match, you don't get cheated ever, not once. So you mentioned, uh, yeah, you, you know, I, I got to give a shout out to, to uh, amazing Nate. You know, the thing I loved about Nate, and, you know, what I talked about, different coaches leaving me with different things. The thing I loved about Nate is, uh, you know, he never, you could name any, any professional wrestler and he would find the, the attribute that you should like take from them. Right. Like he never talks, talks shit. So you could be like the, you know, you could say my first was the ultimate warrior and he'd say, okay, these are the things from the ultimate warrior that work for him that you should take. And then something like me, right. My favorite wrestler is Bret Hart. He'd be like, you, this is what you take from Bret Hart. Like he, he had, he was always really good at recognizing, uh, recognizing the strengths of people and professional wrestlers and then communicating those strengths and saying, you know, this is what you emulate. Even, you know, nowadays it seems like, you know, on YouTube or whatever it is, like if you love Bret Hart, you have to hate the ultimate warrior or something like you can't, but Nate was the type of guy who every wrestler he saw, he sees their value and what they bring to the table and why they made it. 
yeah, that's one of those things that makes him a great coach as he sees that in individuals and he's so positive and he's a consummate professional, uh, Nate Madsen. I'm glad you know, we're getting to talk about him because he's one of those people where you could pull uh, a different list of veteran wrestlers and he's probably wrestled that person. You know, when you're talking about experience and a, and a trade, if you have the ability to talk to Nate Madsen about anything, I mean, he's the guy who's been through everything. You know what I mean? He's uh, the top level uh, Mason that will has been there for, you know, 30 plus years. You know, the one that you're achieving to, to aspire to be, that's, that's Nate, you know? And such a humble guy too, right? Such a humble guy. Oh, oh yeah. He's, he, yeah, <laughs> you won't hear from, from him first. That like, oh, you know, I've been here, I've been there. You kind of have to pull it out of him. You know what I mean? You're like, really? Like you did? Oh yeah, you know. Uh. So yeah, I love Nate. I love him. And since we're going down the list, then we might as well keep it going. I'm, I almost uh, uh, bought some flowers uh, uh, a few months back to, to send to Michigan when I found out that uh, John Kapler appeared Bravo had been shot. I'm happy he has recovered, though, despite yeah. the fact that uh, Scott Demore wanted to pull the plug at one point on him. He made it through. So well done to Bravo. It was, that was close. But I'm very happy he survived that shooting because, uh, you know, Canada wouldn't be the same uh without his presence oh it's true i know i was going to the sea can getting the casket ready but then when scott said he's okay i just hucked the thing back in there i was so happy to do that you know yeah john is uh another one consummate professional uh when you talk about heart and soul of a, of a building that's that's definitely john you know what i mean i miss him so much he's been gone for so long like not being able to see him you know what i mean uh, i can't wait till he can come back and see uh, exactly what's going on in the school, how we're trying to uh, breathe new life into it. And when we come back from the pandemic, we want to come back better and stronger and ever. We want to offer more things than we've ever offered before. We want to be able to uh, really reach in a new territory and be the place to finish, start, or excel in professional wrestling. I remember, uh, poor Bravo, because he has to, you know, well, poor every coach should put up with me. But I remember I had this idea and you know because because i love i love um i like it when freemasons are represented in, in pop culture and, and it's always fun when they're the villains like one of my favorite movies is from hell right which uh sorry johnny depp and uh, in that movie the jack Thurk was a, a freemason which he probably wasn't but it's cool if he was makes it more fun but i remember i was telling bravo i was like I'll be a, I'll be a, a, a heel and I'll be a Mason and I won't give up the secrets. And I was like, no, that's stupid. Nobody cares. I was like, no, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a great idea. And he's like, no, it's not. And I was like, oh, it is. I can do it. So he's like, fine. So he, he put me in a match and he's like, hey, be the heel. Be and it was terrible. It was horrendous. And he's like, I told you, you idiot. It's the dumbest thing What's wrong with you. Nobody wants a no-legged mason heel. Nobody cares about your handshakes. But I was like, no, it can work. But so he had to sit through that terrible, terrible match. But he's he is a great guy and, and a great coach. So I'm glad you recovered. Glad that uh, they didn't pull the plug. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, I mean with John, he's one of those again, he's so He's so bluntly honest, you know what I mean? But that's the thing is when you need it. I have a funny story actually for you about John. When we were, one time I was down in Orlando and I was uh, learning about how they do the tapings and everything like that. I made the trip myself and I was having the absolute worst time you could imagine. The absolute worst time. 
And like Congo Kong was there and he was really nice to me. A lot of other wrestlers there. Petey Williams was there. Petey Williams actually was fantastic to me. He let me like vent a little bit and everything like that. You know, so I really appreciate the people that were there for me. And John was there for me too, but John was there for me in a different way. Cause John was like, wow, you're an idiot. You're really letting this get to you. Wow. You're, <laughs> it could be worse than this. And like, he really came down on me in a time where I was at my lowest and he tried to push me lower, but it was in a sense like it, it was in a good natured sense. It's hard to describe, but it's just like, dude, you're really going to let this get you down. Like, seriously, you're better than this kind of thing. You know what I mean? And he was so bluntly obvious about it that at the time it hurts, but then you reflect on it and you're like, yeah, he was right. Actually. Why, why was I letting this, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah, man, you know, and like John is just, he's great for that. Like he sees it. And whereas Nate sees it and he has a way of cultivating it out of you, John sees it. Hey, come on, let's do it right now. I got, you can do it. I know you can do it. I see it right now. You know what I mean? That's more John's approach, you know? And some people need that and they perform better with that. You know what I mean? John's tremendous at it. I love the guy. (laughs) Wow, this is kind of fun. This is Let's keep going down the list then. I'm going in reverse chronological order to uh, uh, another John Bowen. What a a character he was. What a cool guy. Like what a, 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 he actually, like the first person to actually like uh, do real shit with me like he was the first i think he was the first guy who ever gave me like body slam like a suplex like now plenty of guys have done it since but he was the first guy who was like all right see what happens right and then he just we probably land okay i guess i think who was it i think scott was there and bones picked me up scott was like didn't didn't expect it to happen like yeah, that's the thing I would think about about Bowen. Like he was the first guy who was like, "All right, you know, to, I'll suplex you. I'll do this or that." Like, no, no fear, but also like you felt because he's so strong. Like, even after all the suplexes that take sense, like you feel so secure. You're like, "This guy's gonna drop me well," because he just he had such a, a strength. Like, that's the thing I would think about when I think about Bowen. Is like the first the first bunch of suplexes and hip tosses and stuff. Divine as well gave, gave me some hip toss, but Bowen was the first guy to like, go all out with some of that stuff. Oh, uh, if we're going to talk about John, uh, I think that because like people that know John Bowen know like how built he is and how big he is. So I think that the first thing you wouldn't think of is how smart and educated in the wrestling industry and how he is. Like, honestly, I've learned so much from John Bowen for someone that came into the industry a little bit after me. But like I said, I was gone for eight years. And in those eight years, he just, he's been in the backstage area in WWE with Cody Rhodes. He's been an impact wrestling as John Bowen and as other, like he's done so much within the wrestling industry, his wealth of knowledge, being there for the, the training camps and stuff like that for WWE the, in the Florida facility. You know what I mean? Like he, he has he's again just someone who's a, a, an immense wealth of knowledge and he's he's someone who recognizes uh i would say he's really good at recognizing will within an individual you know what i mean because i think that being uh in the industry as, as you can see cam like it's not always size uh strength you know what i mean like the the guy that you think would be the best talent isn't always the best talent sometimes there's a sheer willpower aspect to that and that overcomes the lack of certain other abilities you know i i guess like a good uh thing i can equate that to is to tom brady you know what i mean nobody thought tom brady would be this 
you know, greatest quarterback of all time taken, you know, 199th overall, but he had the sheer willpower. He was able to outsmart people. He was able to bring people down to his level. He was willing to take other risks that other people may not have been able to take. And he was able to take care of himself for a long period of time. And he's been really, really successful, you know, but he was undervalued at a very early time in his life. And John was someone who could see people who might've been undervalued early on in their wrestling career and bring value out of them. So I would say, yeah, John is definitely someone who very educated, very, very, uh, very smart guy in the wrestling industry. Absolutely. Yeah. And then since we're going backwards, uh, my, I got to, uh, you know, give a shout out to, to Johnny Devine, my very first coach, uh, when I, uh, uh, you know, started and he was great. Cause he, you know, there wasn't like any real for a guy in a wheelchair a guy with no legs there wasn't like any any real protocol for it at the start right i remember i came out once before i started training before i started just to see meet everybody and like you know shake the hands or whatever it is and and, and you know i see them doing uh he was leading them in squats or whatever it was right and i'm thinking like i don't know how i'm gonna do squats and i was like i don't know figure something out and then i started doing the dips right like with uh, with the two chairs in uh, at the corner, but yeah, Divine was was uh, a great coach, uh, a great person to start with because he was really good about like you know well, yeah you'll figure it out right and if you mess up you, I remember I because he's one of those guys who it goes back to what we talked about before right like he he can be a very very intimidating fellow if you mess up. But the benefit of that is that when you mess up later, you know, make a mistake, say in front of a crowd or whatever it is, you're like, I can handle this. I can recover. Right. You never have to worry. Cause I remember, what was it? I, so he was, I was, I was reffing and he was, you know, a heel and he was choking a guy and I was counting. And then he asked me, how long do I have? as like a heel and, and so like five and he's like okay so I'll go to four whatever it is but I just froze because I wasn't expecting the question and I had no idea how to respond and then he started yelling at me and he kept <laughs> a, for a week after he kept asking me the same you know every time I'd be refing he's like how much time do I got uh, but it's funny because it's just it was like my second time coaching and I was so or my second time refing um you know, that I needed that, that coaching to be told, like, you know, to remember, like, don't freeze. People might ask you questions I'm expecting, right? It, so you learn how to handle and work under pressure. You definitely know how to work under pressure with, uh, with Divine. He was a great, he was a great coach. And definitely, you know, he was, he was the first coach I had. So I always appreciated him letting me, you know, be involved. I'm actually glad for you that Divine was your first coach, to tell you the truth, because, Divine, like with his personality, especially coming from the heart dungeon, you know what I mean? He was someone that didn't like excuses. You know, if you were someone who made excuses why I can't do this, then right away, Johnny had no patience for you. You know what I mean? Especially like he loved you. I know talking to Johnny personally, that you were someone that you always look for a reason why you can achieve something where someone was counting you down. You always said, no, I can do this because of this. And this is why. And that's one of the things that Johnny loved about you the most. You know what I mean? So that, that, that you had to come into the school with, I'm so glad that you had that because as you know, firsthand when Johnny loves you, you know what I mean? He loves you, man. Like I, I 
remember sacrificing so many nights early on in there with divine before I moved out to Edmonton. And then he moved out to Edmonton and I was having problems finding a promotion and he worked with Kurt Sorokin and PWA. And I remember I, I talked to a referee and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm one of Scott DeMore's guys, you know, this and that. Right. And, uh, the referee went downstairs and he talked to Kurt and Johnny happened to overhear that, uh, Oh, this is who's upstairs. So he's like, what? Oh man. And he tells that referee, bring him downstairs. Come on, tell him to come down here. And right away, that next show, I was working for Kurt Sorokin and PWA Wrestling, thanks to Johnny Devine. So, you know what I mean? He's just, uh, he's, he's a good man. He's got a good heart. You know what I mean? Uh, very respectful individual and someone that, if you show him respect, is very reciprocal with that. And then, uh, yeah, I'll never forget one of my favorite wrestling stories is, uh, I don't remember how, I was just uncoordinated, but it was at this, like, he, he drove in and I was and I'm waiting right and I go to shake his hand and somehow I like I shook his thumb like it's the weirdest thing and he looked at me and he was like yelled he's like what the fuck is wrong with you like shake <laughs> hand properly like you idiot so he goes off of me and I'm sorry sorry and you know Johnny Devine was very big on like you you shake hands when you come in you shake hands when you come out so it's the end of the and I have to go to shake his hand and he puts his head out and he's staring at me with the most intense stare. I had never <laughs> been so nervous to shake somebody's hand before or since. That's so Look funny. Well, there's a few reasons for that. You know, like I said, he comes from the Hart family bunch and he's got a military background as well. So like I said, respect is given, respect is earned. That's how Divine operates. He's very, uh, very good man that way. <laughs> That's terrifying. That was a terrifying. I was, I was more scared shaking the hand than I was like, doing the first 450 like i've never been so, <laughs> so nervous to do anything but it's like if i do this wrong it's 500 push-ups like i know it and uh speaking of uh 450 then you know i gotta throw in uh kind of the last main coach i had uh before the shutdown was uh, uh prince he's the one who taught me the the 450 i'll never do it as well as him obviously um because he crushes it every time but he taught me how to do that also, if you look at the start of this podcast, he designed the logo. He does a lot of design work. He designed like posters. Um, but yeah, he 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 was the one who who taught me the, the 450 and uh, did a lot of, of work with me. Um, probably more work one on one with me than anybody else. Part of it because we had a smaller class size, but I think he really was the the one on one guy with me a lot uh, just before we had the shutdown. Mm -hmm. yeah i would say prince is a good guy i'm glad that you had him because his one of his strengths is his belief in people he's you know what i mean he's got this unshatterable belief that people have the ability to you know what i mean that they have this innate ability within them you know so he's always going to believe in in someone that comes to them and says you know i think i can do this that's he's that person to be like, I believe you can do this. And here we're going to, how we're going to do it together. You know, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about there, where someone that comes to them, to him with passion, he reciprocates that passion. He can be so passionate in the ring and he can be so driven sometimes, you know, he's just, he was a great uh, instructor when we had him there before the pandemic. It was, uh, it was, it was a good time. And like you said, it was just a small class, you know what I mean? So it was unfortunate for him that things worked out like, and with the pandemic and everything, the way that it did, but yeah, like, I'm sure like, you know, it was good having him around and, and being there and doing that for sure. Definitely. Then uh, speaking of, of instruction, right. If you're never, 
quote unquote, my official uh, coach, but, you know, I really, the thing I enjoyed about working with you is the, you know, you really helped me a lot with the, the amateur side of, of things and the, the amateur wrestling, which, um, you know, whatever I'm doing, even if I'm, uh, I shouldn't say even, you know, I'm, I'm very honored to be a referee and to have ref matches, but knowing that having that amateur background, it's, it's so helpful to understand the mechanics of, you know, how those guys are moving in there, right? Because I think so often with, with the way wrestling is presented, um, you know, it's easy for fans to forget that, you know, at the core of this, it is, it is wrestling. It's an amateur, it's an amateur sport, first and foremost. Um, yes, now we have all the top ropes, we have this and we have that, we have six one nines or cam one nines, but still it's about, you know, it's about taking the leg and driving the guy down, right? And mm -hmm. You really, and you know, speaking of one-on-one, -on -one, right, you helped me out a lot with that aspect of, of the, the game. And even, it's funny because people, you know, El Reverso, Lucha Libre, uh, you know, you never, you never forget or, or let other people forget that what's at the core of this is the hip toss, is the headlock, is the, the single leg or the double leg, you know, it's that first and then these other things. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm definitely going to attribute to one of my first trainers, and that's Joe Legend. Uh, the guy was fantastic in the professional wrestling industry. Uh, if you're going to look into uh, his past, you would look into redshirt security and TNA wrestling. I would, I would say that's like his most uh, approachable uh, library. It's like if you were to go into the, the Impact Plus and uh, go back into the, the annals of that history there. Uh, he's just someone who harped very much on the fundamentals and if you didn't know what a headlock felt like, he slapped the headlock on you and said, try and get it off. If you didn't know what a certain move felt like, because that was one of the things that, like you said, it's at the very basic of it. We're trying to translate to the fans that this is a contest and you're trying to win a contest. And I'm trying to put this person into a hold because I'm trying to get him to win. Every hold I put on means I want to win with this hold. Every time I slam the guy to the mat, I expect to win with that slam. And if I don't, then I should, you know what I mean? There should be some sort of, recourse to that right so uh joe legend was one of the most grounding and uh one of the most fundamental teachers that i've ever had and i think actually were you at that one class when you got to teach the the seminar at can-am i've been to two of his seminars yeah yes so you know exactly what i'm talking about i had an entire year with joe legend so thankfully i'm able to retain those lessons that i was taught and maintain, maintaining those basics. Uh, I was an amateur wrestler in high school for four years, so I'm able to translate that into the ring as well. You know, I feel that uh, with my background, my experience, my exposure to so many different things that uh, I do feel pretty qualified now uh, to, to do this at Can-Am Wrestling School. And I'm very fortunate to take over after so like all the names of the people that we've mentioned before to be in that list is honoring and humbling. It's amazing to tell you the truth. And you know, this, one, one more person uh, I should mention, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch too, but, and this connects to Freemasonry, uh, you know, so lodges have to be set up a certain way. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, but you like when it comes to professional wrestling, you kind of know, but you, I think a large part of you in your mind is like, the ring is just there. It just teleports itself. And then like, there it is, right? Um, the, and even if you understand a little bit, 
uh, until you're involved in the backstage of it all, you really don't understand just how much goes into even uh, even if it is like a, a paid show, not televised, whatever it is, even that so much goes into it. And then when you're talking about television and pay-per-view, the amount of behind the scenes that needs to go into it is insane. And every, you know, whether it be Impact Crew, Border City Wrestling Crew, students before it's St. Third College, you know, did an amazing job at all of that stuff that never gets the recognition. Um, but got to give a shout out. He is a terrific wrestler as well, but, you know, to light bulb. Um, yeah. Oh, or, my. People don't know how much he sacrifices for those Border City shows. He is literally the unsung hero and the MVP of every single impact taping in Windsor and every single Border City show in Windsor. It's literally bad. And, yeah, he's... Uh, Dear God, the first, it was actually this show, I believe, March Breakdown. That was the first show I was involved in as a student still, right? So it was the the setting up and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you are disabused very quickly of the idea that it's a simple process. And uh, I can only imagine how not simple it would have been if not for, for light bulb there. Like, uh, it, it is just a ton of work and, and all the students work very hard on it, but you know, he did a great job organizing everything. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually, I attended that show with my dad and with my brother. And that's when I told them that I want to go back into wrestling that I had been talking to Scott and that, you know, I bought the tickets and we were sitting in the crowd and I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I think uh, this is what I'm going to do. I've already, you know, and so again, the support structure that I have, I got full support full you know what i mean it was it was really nice but that it's amazing that you mentioned that march breakdown show particularly being a first for you as it was for me as well that's amazing <laughs> oh, now one person i'm not going to say anything nice about you can if you want to uh you know you called him our friend but if i do recall he uh decided to try to kick me once upon a time just for me calling him that properly uh, uh boo pinder um <laughs> which i uh me and He's Petey got Williams decided to, uh, you can't be messing with the referee. You lost fair and square, Bupinder. It was one, two, three. But having said that, uh, uh, you know, uh, I can't admit, despite the fact that he's a sore loser, that he, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, in awesome shape, trains very hard, and, um, you know, I, again, sore loser aside, you know, <laughs> coming from India and then having everything shut down, like he's gone through, through a lot. I know that he's still, still training, still keeping in shape. So, you know, credit on him for, for that. But Pinder is that star athlete. He is uh, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. He's Trevor Lawrence. He's the guy that was meant to be there his whole life. He's got all the skills, all the attributes. You know what I mean? He's wrestling Rhino in his 11th match ever. He's wrestling D'Lo Brown, Petey Williams. You know what I mean? And he gets upset, you know, and it didn't sit very well. It's like the guy, you know what I mean? He's been the MVP his entire career and he gets to the NFL and all of a sudden he's not performing like he's used to. And that frustration isn't something that he's ever had to deal with before. So on a professional stage, it sort of boiled over a little bit. And I apologize that you were the, the, the brunt end of that cam. And I hope in the future things aren't so, uh, you know, I, I hope things aren't so heated between the two of you. 
Well, we'll see. But uh, I will admit, you know, and I think anybody just looking at him, anybody would have to admit, he is he is an athlete, and uh, uh, you know, he takes he takes the craft uh, uh, seriously. Oh, and I, and the other thing too is, I will say he has all the tools necessary to succeed. He's got determination, dedication. He's got the right mindset. He's constantly positive. He's a hard worker. Like all the attributes that you say, oh, like this is what makes Aaron Rodgers a great quarterback, or this is what makes, you know, uh, Tom Brady a great Like any, any athlete, this is what makes them great. Pinder has those attributes. So that, that's something I can definitely say with 100%. Like, a sh- like confidence is he's a specimen, skilled individual, and he's got a long future in this industry. So speaking of future of the industry, um, we're here in Ontario. It's wrestling's coming back. We know it is. We just don't know when. So it's just a matter of waiting. Just like Freemasonry, all the Masons getting impatient, myself included. Like it's coming back. Get vaccinated. Do all that jazz. It'll help it come back quicker. Uh, but if you want to look at, we've already talked about Impact. You've been on Impact TV. You know the future of Impact. You know you've got. Omega uh, as a champion. You've got this partnership with AEW, with uh, um, uh, New Japan, with Finjuice. Like, you've got all of these national and international partnerships developing. Um, just anecdotally, what I'm seeing on my YouTube feed is way more, uh, whether it be cultaholic, whether it be wall culture, like way more. Uh, focus and press on impact wrestling. Uh, where do you see the future of, I suppose, either the wrestling industry in general or, you know, impact wrestling and with these partners? Well, I think wrestling is very healthy moving forward. I, I definitely think that we're in a, a, a good position uh, in Southern Ontario. We are seeming to be some of the last places to be coming back into like a normal uh, a routine, but, it's like we were talking about it being encouraging that other things are coming back around and just, you kind of have to focus and stay true to what's going on with that. I think that uh, (laughs) like with the future that we see is we have to, we have to just maintain like what we can, like there's super kick that's going without fans right now. And they have that ability that even when the stay at home order was, was going on, they have a small group of people where, these people are quarantined with themselves. You know what I mean? Kind of like the big brother situation where they're allowed to uh, maintain a certain level of practice, just like what they were doing down in Florida in the, uh, the WWE facility, you know what I mean? In the performance center, you know, uh, I see that being the future of how we come back is we have like a, a studio representation. We have a small outdoor fair type show. Cause especially during the summer here, this is when we're starting to open up. I see things uh, returning somewhat to normal in about September. And I think that we are coming out of that uh, hibernation period where wrestling and the independent market has just been a null, null and void. And uh, now we're starting to see little things uh, where there's hope on the horizon, little aspirations are starting to pop up. Uh, bookings are starting to develop. And uh, my, me, myself, uh, with my involvement in the Can-Am Wrestling School, like I said, we want to expose our students to as much experience and as much as we can. So we're going to be bringing in a, a, a YouTube show where we're going to be uh, doing stuff, studio, small, uh, small uh, 
you know, cast basically, it's not going to be a very big thing, but we want to take that first step forward into coming back and then expand from there. Hopefully we can expand into a more, uh, more performance driven and then also character driven. And then we have a wide range of experience and a wide range of assets for our, our students to be able to utilize. And like that, you know, brings a, brings up the, a good, a good question, uh, kind of on which to, to, to go out. Although I'm sure this, there could be a crazy long answer to this question. Uh, you know, you talk about students, making sure students utilize the right thing, you know, for, and you're somebody I've come to, to for advice over the years. Um, so we can either keep it in the realm of wrestling or just in general, you know, if somebody is looking to embark on something that is going to be a challenge, um, you know, what, what advice would you have for them in terms of, you know, the investments they need to make, the effort they need to put into it? And just, just what advice would you have for somebody embarking on a, a challenging journey? Jeez. Uh, what I always tell people coming into the wrestling school, uh, the first thing that I say to them is professional wrestling is going to be the hardest thing that you're ever going to challenge yourself to do. But upon completing it and upon going home at the end of the day, once you've exposed yourself to it and you've gone through it, you'll know that you can achieve anything that once you've completed it, you'll know that after challenging yourself and getting through it, you'll know that you can achieve what you set your mind to. So just like in any other aspect and any other uh, goal that people would set out for, for themselves, I would say that, you know, like I was saying with the, the small steps, just make sure that you challenge yourself at least a little bit. Make sure that you're out there challenging yourself, that maybe once in a while you don't know if you're going to achieve this, but you set out to actually see if it's possible. And then upon challenging yourself, and maybe you don't always, you know, hit that mark, maybe you miss just a little bit, but in mistakes, we find lessons. That's very important is that in making our mistakes, we expose ourselves to certain lessons that we would not have learned if we didn't make those mistakes. You know what I mean? And so once in a while challenging ourselves and not being afraid to make mistakes can be the most beneficial thing that we've ever, you know what I mean? Uh, had to accomplish. And uh, my uncle, he told me actually uh, a long time ago, before I got into professional wrestling, uh, my grandfather passed away and he was a very big influence in mine. And uh, actually there was a camp for the Canada wrestling school where I missed the camp because uh, I attended his funeral. And uh, my uncle told me that some of the last words that my grandfather said was, you know, uh, back when I was young, I didn't have any money and uh, I wanted, I had the health to go and do things, but I didn't do it because I thought I couldn't afford it. And now that I'm old, I have money, but I don't have the health and I can't do the things that I wanted to do with the money when I was younger. So now I'm kind of in a, a catch 22, you know, I wish I would have gone out and done those things. And I, I, you know, if I could say anything, it would be, don't live with regrets is what he told him. You know, and he told him, like, you know, make sure you're not living your life with regrets. So that would be something that I would say is if, uh, if you're thinking about challenging yourself, and you know that you're going to regret not challenging yourself, then you have to take that chance because taking the chance and failing will ultimately be less hurtful than not taking the chance and regretting it forever. That is very good advice. Um, also a piece of advice I would give everybody is if you can ever do it in person and we will be able to do so again, uh, 
you ever hear about an L reversal appearing, go check it out because matches are awesome. Uh, speaking of like third person, you are an awesome wrestler slash your alter ego uh, character <laughs> gimmick. El Reverso is an awesome wrestler. Isn't your, you mentioned Josh Alexander. You had uh, just a fuck of a match with Josh Alexander. <laughs> oh, was it Last Man Standing match? Isn't it on yeah. YouTube? It's a, it's a very cool match. Um, I think right. I saw it. It's still on YouTube, right? Like you can track it down if you search for yeah. it. It is still on YouTube. It's one of the matches that I'm the most proud of. And actually, I can say that I took it back to Windsor and I was like, Scott, you should take a look at this. You know, like, I think me and Josh did really good. And I don't know if that influenced them very much. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But it was a couple weeks after that match. Josh got signed by Impact Wrestling. So, uh, you know, but I would say if you're telling people to watch that, yes, it's one of the matches that I'm the most proud of. And uh, I was just talking about my grandfather. Uh I had my family over to watch it on YouTube, my entire family. And that was something that my aunt said to me because my grandfather used to watch wrestling with them when they were a kid. And my dad used to watch wrestling with me when I was a kid. My aunt told me that my grandfather would be proud of me. And I don't think that there's another, uh, there's another more like, I don't think there's anything better that anyone could say to me. And that's because of wrestling. You know what I mean? I, I achieved that because of wrestling. So. Oh, that, yeah, that, that power bomb you took with, Oh, I still cringe just because you, I mean, you got the neck, right? So you're able to protect your head, but still, when I think of taking a bump, right, I think get the hands out and your hands are just sucked there. Oh, I cringe just thinking about it. But it was a great match. So check it out on, on YouTube. If you, uh, uh, whether you're a fan of wrestling or you don't usually watch it, check out that match because it's a cool match and might make you a fan. Who knows? I hope I do. I hope I do. Thank you very much, Cam. I appreciate it very much. And uh, with that, I'm getting pretty good about mentioning this stuff. Like, subscribe, comment, give me money on Patreon. Um, if you are a, a, a Mason and you're watching this, uh, like I said, I hope that um, some of the advice coming from Reverso uh, that you guys uh, you know, take it to heart because what he says is absolutely true. You know, he is him and myself we've been without resting now for a year and a bit uh oh gosh year and three months um but you know we're still finding ways the best we can to to keep our skills up keep our skills sharp because it is coming back eventually and it's just about you know and it's really the last year and a half really has been a test of inner motivation i think more than anything and just uh, how motivated can you be to keep up with your work? Because we are coming back and the last thing you want to do is, you know, have forgotten the basics and, and be, be rusty. We're, we're all going to be rusty, but don't be more rusty than you need to be. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe the wheel, maybe we fell off the wheel, but don't forget it exists altogether kind of thing. <laughs>